Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a story for you called The Very Proper Princess and the Horrendous Poot. See you in a moment. It's the Storytime Shindig Podcast with your hosts, Sham McFadden and Henry the Talking Dog. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm Shan. I'm a children's author. And you can listen to some of my stories at shanmcfadden.com or just keep tuning into the podcast. We're going to have a new story every episode. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Henry the Talking Dog. Hey, Henry. How are you today? Boy, this little podcast is really uh, moving along, isn't it? I'm quite uh, pleasantly surprised. Me too. Today we have a story called The Very Proper Princess and the Horrendous Poot. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I understand. What's a poot? Oh, um, uh, well, a, a poot's kind of a more polite word for, uh, flatulence. Still not getting you. Uh, a toot? Uh, can you give me another word? Um. Oh, you mean farts. Yeah, but maybe we're trying not to say farts. It's kind of a gross word. I don't think it's gross at all. Perfectly natural. All right. All right. Well, listen, this story is also about manners. It's about having good manners, and it's also about... Dealing with embarrassing situations. Have you ever been in an embarrassing situation? Uh, yes, I do remember once when you accused me of peeing on the rug. Um, well, I'm pretty sure you did pee on the rug. It wasn't me. Well, if it wasn't you, who was it, Henry? Uh, it was your kids. Your kids peed on the rug. I'm fairly certain that's not the truth, but... Well, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But let's get on with the story now. Oh, wait a minute. (coughs) Ah, the smelly humor alarm. You know what that means. Well, the story does have the word poot in it, so I would assume that there's a lot of um, breaking of wind. Yeah, yeah, there is, there is. There's, a, there's, there's quite a lot of smelly humor in this story, probably more smelly humor than I've had in any story to date. So if you're not into smelly humor, maybe this story might not really be what you're after. That's right, go listen to a weather report <laughs> or uh, get your parents to explain compound interest to you. Okay, yeah. Um, But anyway, listen, let's jump right into the story right now. This is The Very Proper Princess and the Horrendous Poot. The Very Proper Princess and the Horrendous Poot. Written and read by Shan McFadden. This is the story about a very proper princess, who was as lovely and as delicate as a flower, and whose fine manners and refined etiquette were known all throughout her kingdom. And this is also the story of a horrendous poot, although to call it a poot is an understatement of almost criminal proportions, because it wasn't a poot, not really. Nor was it a toot, a windy, a woofy, a crop duster, an air biscuit, a fizzle, or a fluff. It was, in point of fact, a fart. Not merely a casual or common fart either, no, but rather a fart that was outright diabolical in both sound and stench. But we can't discuss the poot without first talking about the princess, and we can't talk about the princess without first mentioning the royal wedding. The entire kingdom had gathered in the castle courtyard to witness the wedding of the king's youngest daughter, Princess Osteria, to Prince Ronnie the heir to the throne of a nearby kingdom. 
Ronnie was a tall, pleasant-looking chap with floppy hair and long legs and gangly arms that flailed about as he walked. He wasn't good at polo, and he was terrible at fencing, but he was incredibly kind and even-tempered, and almost childlike in his naivety. Everyone that met Ronnie liked him almost immediately, and Austeria was no different. She found him to be sweet and funny, and she was grateful that he was to be her prince. Led down the aisle by her father the king, Austeria was a sight to behold in a snow-white gown that was as elegant as it was breathtaking. As the priest began the exchanging of the vows, Austeria looked up at Ronnie and gave him the sweetest, softest, most adoring smile, a smile so pure and heartfelt that it made the prince blush even more deeply. The crowd swooned with adoration of the soon-to-be royal couple. The minister motioned for silence, then cleared his throat and addressed the prince as he spoke. <clears throat> prince Ronnie, do you take this woman to be your princess, your queen, and your beloved wife? Do you promise to laugh at her jokes, even when they're not funny? To eat the food she prepares, even if it's inedible? To rub her feet, even when they're sweaty? To tell her that her hair looks nice, even when it most clearly does not? Do you promise to always tell her the truth, except when the truth might hurt her feelings and or get you into trouble? Do you, fair Prince Ronnie, do you swear this solemn oath? Ronnie gasped and stammered and loosened his collar and sputtered, No, I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, oh, uh, of course I do, yeah, yes, I, I most certainly do. A low, rumbling, gurgling sound caught the priest's attention, and he trailed off for a moment, confused. He looked first to Ronnie, who gave a bewildered shrug, then to Austeria, who had suddenly become quite pale. Please continue, the princess whispered with a tight smile. Sorry, the priest continued. Where was I? Oh, yes, Princess Austeria, do you take this man to be your prince, your king, and your beloved husband? The rumbling sound returned, even louder this time, and it was followed by a faint, high-pitched whine like the sound you might expect to hear from a lone, distant firework that had failed to pop, and then by a gurgling noise, like the sound of a plug being pulled out of a bathtub filled with water. Father, could we please speed this up? said Austeria. Her face was flushed and a small bead of sweat stood out on her perfect brow. Please, I beg of you. But, Princess, we must perform the vows in full. It's tradition, murmured the priest. Of course, but perhaps you could read the vows quickly, very, very quickly, and then signal the band to play immediately, immediately, and, and loudly. The priest, looking more than a bit confused, said, Yes, of course, Her Highness. Then he raised his hands, and with a forced smile said, Princess Austeria, do you take this man to be your prince, your king, and your beloved husband? Do you promise to watch jousting with him even when you find it boring? Do you promise to tolerate his snoring, even when... But before the priest could finish his sentence, the reverent silence was shattered by a sound so insidiously inappropriate that it caused those that heard it to both gasp and laugh simultaneously. Many of those in attendance would describe it as a sound you might hear if a duck had coughed into a long hollow log. Others said it sounded like a trumpet being blown under water, but it was neither of those things. It was, most definitely and undeniably, a fart. It was loud and wet and both thoroughly disgusting and hilarious sounding at the same time, and it sounded 
almost exactly like this. While the sound of the fart was what you might call a conversation stopper, worse yet was that it was followed almost immediately by a stench, so vulgar and oppressive that it brought tears to the eyes of anyone who smelt it. The priest coughed dryly and dabbed at his burning eyes with the sleeves of his robe. Prince Ronnie, as kind and considerate as he was, did his best to contain his disgust, and in doing so, merely wrinkled his nose and blinked in confusion. Beside him, Princess Hosteria stood completely still and silent, shoulders slumped, eyes turned downward, her complexion as drained and pale as alabaster. The audience stood in stunned disbelief. Some stifled sobs, others nervous laughter, while most simply stared at one another in shock. The king glared into the crowd, trying to discern how anyone could be so impertinent and barbaric as to break hard wind during his daughter's wedding ceremony. Beside him, the queen wrung her hands and wiped a small tear from the corner of her eye. Of all the people in attendance, the only one that wasn't angry, shocked, or dismayed was the king's royal inquisitor. The inquisitor was a short, stocky man with a permanent scowl and a frightful disposition. With great clomping stomps, the royal inquisitor stormed to the front of the courtyard and glared out at the shocked congregation. His eyes were wide with rage and his bald fists were shaking, and for all intents and purposes he seemed to be quite furious, although in truth he was actually quite delighted, as he was never happier than when he was asking questions and making threats. He sniffed the air repeatedly, and then bellowed, Who was it? Who farted at the royal wedding? What beast disrupted this regal ceremony with such a vulgar display of flatulence? Where is this atrocious odor coming from? Why would anyone do such a thing? The Inquisitor strode down the front row, glaring at each member of the court as he passed. The Chamberlain, the Chief Steward, the Royal Knights, and even the ladies-in-waiting were met with his fierce accusations, and each swore their innocence. In fact, the Inquisitor even cast a suspicious eye on the King and Queen, before thinking better of it, and turning his attention to the priest. The priest raised his hand and said, I swear on all that is good that it was not me that dealt this great indecency. May I be struck down if my words are at all dishonest. The Inquisitor cocked his head and looked to the sky, waiting for a lightning bolt or some other form of divine intervention. Then, satisfied, he turned slowly to face Prince Ronnie. The Inquisitor narrowed his eyes and curled his lips with displeasure as he spit the words. How could you mistreat your esteemed bride in such a brutish and contemptible manner, and on her wedding day no less? Shocked, Ronnie swallowed hard and then sputtered, uh, Me? Why, well, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I, I would never. No, no, of course it wasn't me. The Inquisitor took another long, deep sniff, then nodded to himself. He crossed his arms tightly and said, How can you deny it? If it wasn't you, then that only leaves the princess. Do you mean to say that the princess, whose reputation is completely beyond reproach, would shame herself, her parents, and her kingdom by releasing a horrendous boot upon her guests, her family, the royal priest, and her husband-to-be on this, her most sacred wedding day? 
Is this what you're saying, Prince Ronnie? Well, is it? Ronnie looked frantically to Osteria, and as she looked up at him, he saw in her pleading expression a deep and forlorn look of shame. He smiled at her weakly and said, quite simply, No, no, of course not. A, a princess would never do such a thing. The Inquisitor took a long, deep breath, and an almost serene look of satisfaction crossed his face. Then his eyes bugged out, his face reddened, and veins popped up on his forehead as he shouted, Dungeon! To the dungeon with this reprehensible fighting criminal! To the dungeon with him, and never, ever let him see sunlight again! Wait, wait, no! wailed Prince Ronnie, but it was too late. The palace guards surrounded him, and he was dragged away, kicking and screaming, and then thrown into a murky, damp cell in the darkest recesses of the royal dungeon. Ronnie spent most of his first night in the dungeon crying and calling for his mommy. Shortly thereafter, he switched to whining and moaning, and finally finished up with a good whimper before eventually falling into a weak and troubled sleep. The dungeon was very damp and cold and almost completely dark, except for a sliver of moonlight that shone down from a single tiny window embedded in the top of one of the high dungeon walls. Ronnie would regularly be startled awake in the near blackness to the sensation of dozens of tiny legs crawling over his face and arms. Terrified and weak from sleeplessness, he curled up in a defensive position on the dungeon floor and sucked his thumb. Hello, friend, came a dry, crackly voice in the darkness. Are you all done crying now? Goodness knows there's not much to do down here but cry, so I'd hate to interrupt you in the middle of a good bit of blubbering. Ronnie searched the darkness for the source of the voice, but the shadows were too thick. Who are you? What do you want? he called cautiously. No, no, came the voice in the darkness. You're doing it wrong. One question at a time. Drag it out. The secret down here is to take everything nice and slow. For example, if you find a juicy cockroach to eat, don't just gulp it down. Eat one leg at a time, then the head, then just let the shell melt in your mouth before you swallow it. That way, everything takes longer and it makes the day less boring. Ronnie squinted into the murky gloom, and eventually his eyes picked out the figure of a very thin and tall man. The man stepped forward a bit, and the dim light from the high window caught his frame and revealed more of his appearance. He was tremendously skinny, and was wearing little more than a loincloth made of old tattered rags. His dark hair and beard were quite long and wild, and framed his pointy nose and wide staring eyes. His smile, while quite friendly, revealed scores of missing teeth. Uh, uh, who are you? sputtered Ronnie. My name is Jerome. Nice to meet you, he said with a smile. Uh, uh, what do you want from me? Nothing of any value. Just some company to pass the time, until we eventually starve to death and or die of infection. But now it's my turn. Who are you? Feeling slightly more relaxed, Ronnie said reluctantly, uh, I'm Prince Ronnie, betrothed groom-to-be of Princess Osteria. Oh, a princely groom, is it? Now what on earth did you do to get thrown down here, Prince Ronnie, your highness, sir? 
Well, I was charged with farting at the royal wedding. Farting at the royal wedding? Shame on you. You're lucky they didn't execute you on the spot. But, but you don't understand. I, 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 I didn't do it. Oh, likely story. That's what they all say. Annoyed, Ronnie stood up, brushed himself off, and said, Well, all right then. Why did they throw you in here then, huh? Oh, I was charged with farting at the royal wedding too, said Jerome. But I didn't do it either. Then why didn't you believe me? I did believe you. When I said that's what they all say, I was being quite literal. It's just you and me down here, and we both say we didn't fart at the royal wedding. <laughs> How could you have been at the royal wedding anyway? It was only yesterday. Jerome slapped his knee and gave a chuckle and said, <laughs> Oh, goodness, no. I wasn't accused with farting at your royal wedding. I was accused of farting at my royal wedding two years ago. Yes, I was a royal duke engaged to marry Austeria's older sister, Princess Primeria. But someone farted at the wedding and I took the blame for it. Then they threw me down here. Worst part of my story is that I'm fairly certain my own bride dealt the offensive odor that got me locked up. Well, mine too. I, I think it was Austeria that did it and then let me take the fall. On our wedding day, no less. She didn't even speak up when they dragged me away. Well, in her defense, it would be terribly embarrassing to be a princess that farted at her own wedding. Imagine the scandal. How could you expect her to take the blame for something so humiliating? Although, I suppose that's what my Primeria felt, too. I guess I shouldn't have blamed her. Who knows, maybe there are a whole family of farters. A family of royal farters, and they just can't help themselves from farting. <laughs> Ronnie thought about this for a moment. Then he put his hand on Jerome's shoulder and said, uh, Jerome, we have to get out of here. We've been in prison for farts we didn't commit. And if it happened to us, by golly, it can happen to someone else, too. Maybe the next prince that comes along. And we simply cannot let that happen. Fine by me, said Jerome. But getting out of here is going to be quite the trick, you know. He stopped and eyeballed Ronnie for a moment. You wouldn't happen to be a magical frog, would you? Uh, I, I beg your pardon? Are you a magical frog? said Jerome more pointedly. Yes or no? Uh, no, I, I, I suppose I would be if I could be, but I'm not. Sorry. Oh, that's fine, said Jerome with a shrug. It would have been easier if you were a magical frog, that's all. I suppose you could ask Kevin for help. Kevin? Who's Kevin? Oh, he's the magical frog that lives in a puddle over in the corner. Jerome gestured to a dark corner of the room with his thumb. He says he likes it better over there because of all the flies, but I think he does it just to spite me. I'd ask him for help, but he and I aren't on speaking terms. Uh, wh well, why not? asked Ronnie. Oh, because I mistakenly called him a toad once, and he's never forgiven me for it. Honest mistake, though, he does have quite a few warts. <laughs> you can try your luck, but just don't use the T word, if you know what I mean. He's very sensitive. And so Ronnie asked Kevin the Magical Frog for help, while being very, very careful not to use the word toad. And as it turned out, Kevin was quite a reasonable and likable frog. 
While Kevin and Jerome did little to repair their damaged relationship, they were civil enough to each other that Kevin agreed to magically free the two men. And in no time, Ronnie and Jerome found themselves free of the dungeon. Standing in the deserted castle courtyard, Jerome stretched his arms and legs in the warm glow of the rising morning sun. Ho, ho, now that's better. He cracked his neck and knuckles, took a deep breath, and said, Well, I'm off then. Oh, wait, where are you going? Ronnie cried. We were going to clear our names and see that justice was done, remember? Yes, well, I wish you the best of luck with that, I really do. But name-clearing and justice-seeing sounds like slow, tedious work. And I'm all about instant gratification now. No more waiting around killing time. It's rush, rush, rush all the time for me now. So you're on your own, I'm afraid. But, but, but don't you want to see Primaria one last time? To ask her why she let you suffer? Won't you at least come with me to see the princesses so that we can be avenged? Jerome scowled and thought about it for a moment. Then said, Yes, I suppose it would be good to see Primeria one last time. Fine, I'm in. But on one condition, that we rush there immediately. And so that's exactly what they did. They ran, dashed, sped, scampered, hopped, skipped, and jumped through the quiet castle passageways until they found themselves peering in through the doors of the great hall. At the front of the huge room was a massive table. The king sat at the head of the table, fingers knit in solemn contemplation. The queen sat to his right, her head bowed, and next to her, the princesses Osteria and Primeria. Osteria's face was stained with tears, and she looked tired and disheveled, as though she had been crying all night. Primeria gently rubbed her younger sister's back comfortingly. The rest of the seats were occupied by the members of the court, including the knights, the royal priest, and the grand inquisitor. Without a moment's hesitation, Jerome threw back the huge door, slamming it against the stone wall with a reverberating boom. Hello, everyone. Sorry to be so abrupt, but I'm in a tremendous rush. I have lots of important things to take care of, what with me having been imprisoned for two years for a fart I didn't commit. The Grand Inquisitor leapt to his feet, as did the knights as they drew and brandished their swords. The king raised a hand, ordered them to stand down then glowered at the two former prisoners and growled, What in blazes are you two filthy scoundrels doing unto yourselves? Haven't you done enough to hurt my daughters already? Ronnie stepped forward and said, oh, Now listen here, your majesty. You can think what you like, but, but Jerome and me, we're not farters. Well, I suppose we are actually. Everybody does it. It's perfectly normal. But neither of us were guilty of the particular farts you imprisoned us for. "'Preposterous!' shouted the Grand Inquisitor. "'Who do these ruffians think they are?' "'No, let them speak,' said the king. "'So, if I understand this correctly, "'then who, pray tell, did fart at my daughter's weddings?' Ronnie looked to Osteria, and Jerome looked to Primeria, and both princesses burst into tears. They stood before their former bridegrooms and wrung their hands. Osteria wailed, I'm so sorry, Ronnie, so terribly sorry for letting you suffer for my most disgusting indiscretion. As am I, Jerome, bawled Primeria. I should never have let you take the blame for the horrible, loathsome thing that I did. Then the two princesses cried as one, We're farters, we're filthy, disgusting farters, and we're so, so, so very sorry. The queen stood quietly and said, 
No, my darlings, it is I that should be sorry. And then it was that the queen revealed the terrible truth behind the horrendous poots, the malevolent toots, the scandalous farts that had ruined both her daughter's weddings. For you see, the farts had not been accidental at all. In fact, they had been the unexpected results of a cleverly concocted plan to prevent the princesses from ever marrying. The queen, loving mother that she was, couldn't bear the thought of her daughters growing up, marrying, and perhaps moving away to live in a castle of their own one day. Unbeknownst to the princesses, they were both lactose intolerant, meaning that they had trouble digesting dairy products. But the queen knew this. She knew it all too well. And so, on the eve of Primeria's wedding, the queen had instructed the king's chef to prepare a feast of cheese pizza, four cheese lasagna, and cheesy bean burritos. Her hopes had been that the resulting cramping and bloating would make Primeria too sick to go through with the wedding. But, of course, that wasn't what had happened at all. The cheese had only made Primeria painfully gassy, and the scandal surrounding the resulting fart had ended in Jerome's subsequent imprisonment. As the court listened to her tale, the queen hung her head and said, I knew what I had done, and I didn't speak up for fear of the embarrassment it would bring to our family. So poor Jerome went to the dungeon for my mistake. And when Osteria got engaged to Ronnie, fool that I was, I made the same mistake with the same disastrous results. The queen looked up, her face stained with tears of regret, and said, I know that you can never forgive me, none of you, but please know that I am very, very deeply sorry for what I have done to you. There was a moment of silence while everyone took in the queen's words, and then Jerome said, quite suddenly, Oh well, no time for regrets or resentments, no time for dwelling on the past. Onward and upward to better things, that's my motto now. So if I may be concise and to the point, I forgive you, all of you, even you, Primeria. Primeria gasped with joy and ran into Jerome's arms. Oh, as do I, said Ronnie, taking Osteria's hand in his own. I, I understand how difficult and embarrassing that situation must have been for you, Osteria. I'm sure you just didn't know what to do. So I forgive you, too. I truly, truly forgive you. Osteria embraced Ronnie, and a cheer went up from the members of the court, except for the Inquisitor, who simply grit his teeth and slumped into his chair, looking miserable and disappointed. Finally, the king banged his scepter on the table and called for silence. All eyes turned toward him as he addressed the assembly with a deep and serious tone. Dear members of the court, friends and beloved family, I'm troubled and distraught to think of the pain, shame, and embarrassment that many of you have endured as a result of this unfortunate situation. And while I forgive my wife and daughters for withholding the truth out of fear of shame, I cannot forgive myself for allowing that shame to prosper in my kingdom. For the truth is, we all fart. All of us. Queens, princes, princesses, and, and yes, even kings. But from this day forward, we need not feel shame for our moments of gastrointestinal distress, so long as we extend the proper courtesy to those in attendance. 
so let it be my royal decree that if any one in this kingdom is to poot or toot break wind make a backdoor breeze or a booty bomb let one rip cut the cheese or otherwise engage in an act of flatulence they need only say in an earnest and heartfelt tone please excuse me and thus they shall be forgiven and never held in contempt this is my declaration and i ask that all abide by it today and forevermore a great cheer went up from the court and all showed their agreement oh thank goodness said the priest then he promptly farted quite loudly and said excuse me i've been holding that in for quite some time then the chief steward farted and excused himself as did the chief gardener the royal cook several of the ladies-in-waiting and almost all of the royal guards and each was followed by a warm and honest excuse me excuse me in advance for what i am about to do bellowed the chief inquisitor and then released a fart that sounded like a small shotgun blast and excuse me as well said the queen smiling as she did a tiny but quite smelly one-cheek sneak you are all most royally excused and pardoned said the king with a grin now please if someone could open a window i'd appreciate it shortly thereafter the kingdom enjoyed a double royal wedding Primeria married jerome and Osteria married ronnie the weddings were a huge success and while a few farts were heard throughout the congregation they were always followed by a sincere excuse me and thus it was that an ancient custom was set in place and it's one that has endured throughout the centuries for to this day if you feel a poot or a toot or even a fart on the horizon you can rest assured that as long as you say excuse me in an earnest and heartfelt tone you will always always be forgiven ah excuse me this story was written and read by shan mcfadden music by the new york brass all sound effects contained in this recording are used under a creative commons license Don't forget to say excuse me. So that story had some interesting messages, don't you think? Well, it certainly had some interesting toots. <laughs> yeah, it did. There was a lot of that going on. Listen, one thing I wanted to talk about is that in this story, we had a very proper princess who um, found herself in an embarrassing situation. Really embarrassing situation. I can understand why she didn't tell the truth. Well, yeah, because initially she doesn't tell the truth because it's very embarrassing she doesn't want people to know but something terrible happens as a result ah uh, yes that's right somebody ends up taking the blame and there's all kinds of punishment yeah yeah that's true so i guess it would have been better if she told the truth i uh, definitely it would have and i'm just wondering if you wanted to talk about that incident we discussed about somebody peeing on the rug and maybe telling the truth about that well, i think it would be a good idea to tell the truth so okay so go ahead well will you go ahead well, why would I go ahead? Because it was you that peed on the rug. Seriously? I'm not having this conversation with you. Well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. Anyway, that's the end of the show, everyone.
All right, I guess it is the end of the show. Okay, we'll see you next time with a brand new story. Bye-bye, take care. This podcast was written by Shan McFadden and produced by Henry the Talking Dog. Intro music by Kevin McLeod.